welcome to this week's message from a new church. For more information, or if you'd like to contact us, please visit our website, newchurch.nz. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you enjoy this message. People understand and get it that if Genesis is the book of beginnings, then Revelation heads towards the consummation of all things, the the, the, the end or, or, or the crowning achievements of, of, of God and Jesus Christ and their plans uh, that will come about, that will break into this world at whatever time that happens and in whichever way that happens, I assure you today, it will happen. And if you're a Christian, it's going to be good, very good. Very good. It's one of the hopes that Christians hold is the return of Jesus Christ. Now, a lot of my hope is established in a past event called the death, burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that gives me great hope. That's given me great impetus in my life. How am I going to get back to my notes? Um, and, 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 and it um, motivates me. It guides my life it, it, it places a foundation for faith in my life. Without that, without the resurrection of Jesus Christ, we've actually got nothing. And we're a lot of idiots getting together and meeting here around something that didn't happen. You know? And Paul says that. He says, oh, we're the most miserable of all people. If Jesus did not rise from the dead, what are we doing? Why are we getting beaten? Why are we getting whipped? You know, because Paul suffered all that. So he, whenever he preached... Um, cities got turned upside down and they reacted and he was thrown in prison, thrown out of town, stoned, all that sort of stuff. Why did they do that and testify to the resurrection of Jesus Christ if it didn't happen? So that's a huge source for hope in my life. But the other huge source for hope in my and your life is the return of Jesus Christ. Because this world will not always stay the same as it is today. It will not always be depressing and as Graham Kelly, a former pastor here, once said, that in the light of eternity, this life here on earth will seem like a bad takeaway meal, right? Compared with the feast that you have in the coming age. The book of Revelations, it's, it's deliberately, well, it's a, a, apocalyptic in its genre, but it's deliberately elusive. It really resists being put into a box or it really resists being pegged down to any absolute concrete setting. But like I said before, that doesn't stop Christians trying, eh? They just keep trying. This doesn't stop folks from trying um, endless games is a, is a term that would come to mind for how Christians in the modern age have, have approached this sometimes and they kind of use it as a, uh, or treat it like a grid to pin or label political events or um, their religious enemies or let's play pin the tail on the Antichrist. Woo! You know, and you can't do that with the book. I don't think you can. It's a book that's probably best understood with the heart, actually. And it empowers, it empowers Christian conviction, it empowers our faith in Jesus Christ. When we look at those big things happening 
at the back of the book and I'll show you what they are, we're like, well, if that's the way things are going to be, I need to come back and let John tell me about what are these things that I'm meant to obey and what are these things I'm meant to live my life by taking the end in view. That's just wise. That's just common sense. If you believe that God is going to wrap up this world or whatever and Jesus is going to come back in such and such a way, that affects how you live now. That's one plus one. And if you haven't put that together, you really need to. So how did Christians of the first century perhaps take this? I think here's the first thing it did. It heightened their experience of the risen Lord Jesus Christ and affirmed his deity. They'd been taught that. Um, For instance, the Apostle Paul majored on the power of the cross, uh, on salvation and transformation and the hope that comes to Christians through that. Here's some verses, Ephesians 2, 4-6. Let's have a look at his preaching. But God is so rich in mercy and he loved us so much that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when he raised Jesus from the dead. So when Jesus gets raised from the dead, so do I. That's the whole born again thing. That's the whole baptism thing. Um, It is only by God's grace that you have been saved. You can't work it out all on your own. You need a supernatural saviour. For he has raised us from the dead along with Christ. This is God has raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him. Look at this, in the heavenly realms. Because we are united to Jesus Christ. So there's a big aspect of you that's spiritual. There's an aspect of you as a human that connects with the realm of the spirit. Hopefully with God's realm of the spirit. The Apostle Paul also made it clear that Jesus or angels visited him or appeared to him from time to time. I mean you can see that in the life of Abraham. That's consistent with the Old Testament and uh, encouraged him and helped him through tough times. He also explained this one event where he was caught up into paradise, the kind of realm that the book of Revelation pictures. Here's 2 Corinthians 12, 2-4. I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. Whether in the body or out of the body, I don't know. God knows. And I know that this man... It's himself, okay, he's talking about himself, was caught up into paradise. Whether in the body or out of the body, I know not. God knows, he kind of repeats this, and he heard things that cannot be told, which man, or women, people, children, may not utter, which humans may not utter. He heard stuff that can't be repeated. That'd be frustrating, eh, to know a whole lot of stuff you can't talk about. It it was too weighty, it was too, he did not have permission to share it. But he told us of this experience. But then enter the revelation of John, quite different, similar experience. And he's told to write down and communicate everything he sees as he has angel-assisted visitations. Now it starts to get interesting. Here we go. Let's have a look at it. Revelations 1, 1 to 3. This is the re- uh, a revelation from Jesus Christ. Who's the revelation from? Yeah. And God gave it to him to show his servants, that's us, the events that must soon take place. He sent an angel to present this revelation. 
um, to his servant John, who faithfully reported everything he saw. This is his report of the word of God, some things in Revelation that God directly says, and the testimony of Jesus Christ. God blesses the one who reads the words of this prophecy to the church. Ooh, thank you, God. I'm going to read a bit of it today to you. And he blesses all who listen to its message. And, responsibility bit, obey what it says, for the time is near. And, uh, well, the early believers understood straight away that they had to keep the words of this prophecy, that it wasn't something to tickle their ears or be philosophical about or just try and prick predict world events they had to take this seriously so wow all of a sudden my choices today my allegiances my friendships my investments um, my acts my actions need to reflect what I see and hear from this book it's meant to have an influence on me and uh, it's good that it's understood with the heart and just not with the head because that means that most of us can get it I'm kind of a heart type person really um, then we carry on with a vision of Christ. And I'm going to read a few verses here, Revelation 1, 9 to 16. Yup for this? Don't tune out. I, John, am your brother and your partner in suffering. Remember, he was on the island of Patmos and he was being punished there. He was banished for preaching the gospel and his testimony for Jesus. So your partner in suffering and in the kingdom of God and the patient endurance to which Jesus calls us. I was exiled. Oh, there we go, to the island of Patmos. Julian jumped the gun. For preaching the word of God and for my testimony about Jesus, it was the Lord's day. So in the Jewish thing, that was a Saturday. The new Christian Lord's day was a Sunday. For the Sabbath. If he's referring it to as the Lord's day, it might have been the Sunday that Christians adopted. And I was worshipping in the Spirit. Suddenly, how often do you worship in the Spirit? How often do you take time to worship in the Spirit? Suddenly I heard behind me a loud voice like a, a trumpet blast. It said, write in a book everything you see and send it to the seven churches. And then it gives seven cities, which are kind of like southern Turkey or something like that today. Um, verse 12 when I turned to see who was speaking to me, I saw seven gold lampstands arranged. And standing in the middle of the lampstands was someone like the Son of Man, which was Jesus' favourite or one of his favourite terms for himself. And uh, Ezekiel used this too, and he was kind of this freaky pr prophetic guy um, that you can read about in the Old Testament. Um he was wearing a long robe with a gold sash across his chest. His head and his hair were white as wool. Are you telling me that Jesus is aged? Well, he's beyond aging actually here. And this is the glory of God clothing him. Uh, as white as snow. His eyes were like flames of fire. His feet were like polished bronze refined in a furnace. You're getting this brightness and this picture of glory and this realm of immense light. And his voice thundered like mighty ocean waves. I once, well actually before 2008, 
had a dream where I heard the Lord Jesus Christ prophesy that recession and why he was bringing it. And the power of the command, the power of the voice just shook me. I was just trembling. I just got out of bed and hit my knees and said, God, I don't know what you're doing, but man, I'm just yielding to you. Because the power of God's voice, you can't resist it. It just hits you. He had seven stars in his right hand and a sharp two-edged sword that came from his mouth. His face was like the sun, like noonday sun, bright sun. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I was dead. And he laid his right hand on me and said, don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. It's like he's going, John, you know me. It's me. I am the living one. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and the grave. Yes, thank you, God, for every day that you have given us to live. And maybe not one more, because that can sometimes end badly. And then it goes from there to the seven letters to the seven churches, which we mentioned. And I just noticed, like, when we have crucial conversations with people in our modern times, we do the sandwich thing, right? We, we, we affirm the person, and that's one piece of bread. And then in the middle, we have fillings of, of adjustment or, you know, like, you're, you're awesome doing this, but ha- have you considered this? And in comes the filling of a bit of a correction or adjustment. And then the other bit of bread comes on the top to finish, uh, the old slap on the back, you're doing really well, some encouragement. And, and you see, if you look at those letters, you'll see Jesus invented that. Well, that's what I like to think anyway. <laughs> we apply it slightly different with our crucial conversations that we need to have, but there we go. So as readers of the Old Testament, the first and second, second century Christians would have recognised Genesis is that book of beginnings that I said that they would have recognised Revelation. Wow, there's an aspect of harvest here. There's there's um, there's an end game. There's there's something that's working towards um, uh, the end of things, the consummation, the wrapping up of things. God pulling all His plans to completion, and the closing of what's called the Christian canon, or the end of your Bible. Mm. Here's some other things quickly. Revelations taught them to look critically at the empire. And we are to do that. And um, the empire that dominated their time was Rome. And, and they were to check, check that out. And, and the systems that legitimated its rule um, in the eyes of some of the justice and, and things and attitudes of the book of Revelations. Revelation helped be, believers evaluate their world. And it still does today. Uh, in the light of the God of Israel, in the light of Jesus Christ and what he stood for, um, in the light of the rule and and, and justice of God and the Lamb and how that would inevitably break into the the human sphere of things or into this world of time and space. Um, It would have showed them that the empire's prosperity 
And there's, there's always good things, a good side to a superpower, but it would have showed them that it was really a, a bit of a tainted one. It was at the expense of some people that really got crushed. Um, that its peace was a lie. The Roman peace was delivered by a sword. <laughs> you got with the programme or you got the sword. Its piety or the things that they held really important were just a blasphemy against God, really. That's strong language, but that's what it taught them. It called them to maintain, and this is really important for you to think about as a Christian, a critical distance. Some people are more conservative in their faith and take a real safe place to stand, and that can make them look a bit religious or funny if they take it too far. And other people are more uh, liberal because they're wanting to relate to the culture or reach the culture of their day. They're wanting to stay relevant, but that has its own risks. It's up for you to work those out and yet refuse to buy into the dominant ideology. It called them to keep alive a, a Christian's vision or a Christian vision of a just and life-affirming world. We all hope for that. You know, democracy came about through Christians pushing that, uh, hoping for that. Um, hasn't always gone well, but to and and to give we to give our wholehearted allegiance. They would have understood that they needed to give their wholehearted allegiance to that world, to that vision of the world. Um, revelation would have opened up their minds to consider missions to a global community. Uh, you will think in Revelations it talks about every race, uh, every people group, every tribe, every tongue. And so it's, it's very global in its kind of reach. And uh, it also poses questions about the use of power and force especially the use of power and force and you see this with superpowers and countries they use their power and force in securing endless resources for the privileged few sometimes while others really miss out and I don't think that's right and I know a lot of you don't think that's right Revelation sets clear limits on the use of force to protest this. Christians in general are not to defile themselves with the shedding of blood the way God's enemies do. You know, you're not to react the same way. The Christian response actually, if I can put it bluntly, is we are in those circumstances to offer a suffering witness. Preach the word of God, yes, Give your testimony to Jesus Christ, yes. But in a funny kind of way, Revelation says that Christians overcome this world and the evil behind this world through the blood of the Lamb. That's getting back to the Apostle Paul with the death, burial and resurrection of Christ and applying that and through the word of their testimony and not loving their lives to the that's the good bit, eh? <clears throat> Therefore, just wrapping up this section, John empowered a minority of visionaries committed to God's values to stand up in the face of a majority 
who had quite different aspirations for the world. That's why you feel a tension with you and your faith sometimes in the world around you. Sometimes it's really hunky-dory and other times there's, an, there's, there's a tension. And at the moment, there's an increasing tension and hostility towards the Christian community. Some of that we bring on ourselves. Some of that is just there, part of the landscape. Now, the last big things in the book of Revelation that I mentioned before, here they are. The return of Jesus Christ to inform, enforce God's claims on creation. The holding of God's enemies to account and vindicating the faithful, that's you. The judgment of all people before God's throne and the Lamb, that's scary. The destruction of all that has opposed God's rule, that's cataclysmic, it could be cataclysmic, I'm not sure. I'm not sure how all of that's going to play out and all of you will have different ideas about that. So we're not going there right now. God's provision of a world or a cosmos, whether it's this world or another world, where righteousness is at home, where God and God's order are fully and perfectly experienced by the people of God, where the world nourishes you, where you are fully at home in that world, where you come totally alive in that world, where the former things and the tears and the heartache and the loss that we experience here in life is no longer a part of you. That's wiped away and all things are made new. So Revelation still interprets and still helps us interpret and calls us it does call us to interpret the social, political, religious and economic realities of our day. But we can't identify and attach labels from Revelation's visions to persons like, boy, I don't like, it's Putin, eh? Putin is the beast. Come on. That's games. Um, <clears throat> So-and-so's the Antichrist. You know, and, and I've got the true meaning of the book. I've got the definitive meaning of the book. No, it can't be pinned down like that. You're being an egg if you act like that. Renew church. Public worship. My favourite thing, just wrapping up about the book of Revelations, is this. I'm a bit of a presence person. I love the presence of God. When I became a Christian and the presence of God came into my room, oh my goodness, I never dreamt that anything like that existed. And that still happens with me. And public worship is so important in that way. I want to encourage you. It's important to get together with other Christians and worship. The worship team just assist us. You collectively are meant to go to another realm. You are meant to come and be thankful you're meant to come and find God in that space. And I usually always feel God's presence in a worship service. I've been in a worship service and got healed just by worshipping God. And the, the weird thing was the person next to me said, hey, you just got healed in your back, didn't you? They didn't know, didn't know nothing about me. And I said, yeah, I think so. 
and I had. And that just came from worshipping God. I didn't even ask for that. He just, he's generous. He just like throws out his gifts. We're not to be spectators. We're to dive in in that place of worship because it instills in us godly motivations, spiritual passions. It connects us with God, with others, which is what we see in the book of Revelations. All that worship and prayer and stuff going on is just amazing. And the, the visualness of it, just I don't know what it does for you. It, with my brain, it just stays with me. And when I pray, I kind of go into that realm sometimes. And it's really cool. You should too. One of the last points is from Deuteronomy, from the fourth book of the Bible, 1616. And it just brings out the point there that when the people were to come and appear before God for their feasts and things, they were not to come empty-handed. There's a whole lot of verses in the Bible about that, actually. And now I want to switch to Te Māori. And there was a program on Te Māori this week relating to the marae. It means the pathway or the guide or the way for doing things. And it had this cute little phrase that they were talking about, like when you're navigating the marae community, and they went through the welcome and everything. But they said... With the principle of koha, it's so important to contribute to that event. It's so important to, you know, if it's a tangi, to, to give something. And they said it doesn't matter if it's $5 or $500. Just don't give nothing. Just don't come with an empty hand. And they just said it this week on, well, I don't know what channel it was. It was quite interesting. Um, and I think that's so similar to the church community. It's, it's important for us to contribute. God doesn't need our money. But boy, you need to give it. You need to, the Christian life is a self-giving life. It really is. You know, we give worship to God, but we give service to each other. And we give service to our community. To our workplaces and stuff like that. It's important to contribute, people. The cute little saying they had was, don't be a hoha, lay down your koha. <laughs> We're called to lay down our lives. So don't be a hoha and stand all aloof with God. Don't hold out on God. Don't be a holdout. Be generous. Lay your life down. He's the one that laid his life down for you. Come on. So important for us to contribute. It's also important for us to pause, to reflect, to prepare, to minister to the Lord in song before we come to church. I've often said that mums are excluded from this because getting the family along to church is just like a tribulation in itself sometimes. And when we had young kids, sometimes we went home and we looked at each other and went, well, that was a waste of time. Should have stayed home. But no, we were faithful. We came. Sometimes it was frustrating with the young kids, but sometimes God, God looks after you. God looks after you, eh, Annalise? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so important. Like, you've got to have a prayer meeting for the prayer meeting sometimes. 
You've got to prepare your heart and not just launch into communion meaninglessly. You've got to prepare your heart to give. You've got to have a readiness to engage and encourage each other when you come. You're not an island. It's also important to guard your personal sacred space that you have with God and take that with you wherever you go and live out of that. Don't let it get polluted. Don't let someone dump into it. You've got a a well of salvation inside of you. You've got a river of life. Don't let this world or your society dump discouragement and stuff down that and block it up. Keep it flowing. Keep real. Keep alive as a Christian. Keep burning in the Holy Spirit. Keep your passion. Stay connected to these pictures in the book of Revelation. Live them out and get back to the detail of the book with the seven churches and take seriously what Jesus says. There's stuff in there for us to do. Thanks so much for listening. We hope it was an encouragement to you. To contact us or to find out what's happening at our church, please check out our website, renewchurch.nz.